Do you want to wake up feeling like you are stepping into who you are meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the show. I wanted to come on today and talk a little bit about the nervous system because it's been a hot topic in my world lately. We've done some masterclasses and done some Instagram lives. And so I really wanted to kind of, kind of dive deep into the nervous system and really just how it relates to your health and to your wellness. So if you did my masterclass, I talked about some of this in the class, but I just wanted to dive a little bit deeper and kind of tie it all together with the vagal system, the vagus nerve. So kind of start, I don't want to get too sciencey here, but if I kind of just give the basics, but so what I teach about the nervous system, a lot of it is based on the polyvagal theory, which is basically kind of undid what we used to think about the nervous system as we used before the polyvagal theory, we understood the nervous system as this two-part system where there was two parts of the vagus nerve and two ways that it responded to stress. But now with the with polyvagal theory, poly meaning many, there's this third type of nervous system response. So there's, there's a few different types. And basically, it helps us understand that there are these different branches of the vagus nerve and they, they all work differently to calm the body. They all work differently to regulate your nervous system. So this third type that wasn't really a part of like the initial like teachings, I guess, about the, the vagus nerve is it's now called the social engagement system. And this is kind of like our, I just call it like our happy place, right? This is like where we are, where we can help you know navigate relationships. You're able to be more flexible with your coping and allows you to, to have more resiliency when you're in that state, when that part of your vagus nerve is in control, I guess. So there's a few different types. So, let, so let's kind of go into the three different types or not types, three different parts of your nervous system. So there's the ventral vagal state, right? This is like the ideal state. This is where everything's functioning in your body. Like ideally, this is that social engagement system I was talking about where you can make decisions with clarity and your bodily functions are functioning ideally. And then there's this state called the sympathetic state, right? So this is like the fight or flight state. So when, when our body feels this sense of unsafety, like something is unsafe, we go into this fight or flight response, right? We go into this state where your body's like, okay, now I have to figure out what to do to protect myself. It's just a protective mechanism, right? And that's really all it is. And we're talking about these different parts of the vagus, vagus system or the, you know, parts of the vagal branch is it's all just a protective mechanism. It's to protect our body. Our bodies are made to protect ourselves, right? And so when you go into this, this sympathetic state or this fight or flight state, it's just that your body is sensing like danger or chaos, or it's just not safe, right? And so your body says, okay, now I need to protect myself. And so it initiates kind of a chain reaction of responses to help your body do that. And so it's going to 
take all your blood and functioning away from what it considers to be like unnecessary parts of your body. And it's going to move them into all your vital organs, like your heart, your lungs, and your brain. Because in that, that fight or flight response, which is that like that ancient part of the brain, that, that like primitive response of I need to either run away or I need to fight the predator that's coming. All you need is your brain, your heart, your lungs. You need to be able to think, you need to be able to breathe, and you need your heart to be able to like pump to get you either fighting or running away. So all the other systems in the body just kind of shut down. They just, it's not a priority. And so that's what happens in your sympathetic state. Then when we move past that, so we get to a point where you're in that sympathetic state for so long, and then your body is like, it just kind of gives up, right? It shuts down. It gets into this free state, or this is the dorsal vagal part of our vagus system. And this is when you just kind of collapse, right? It's that period where you dissociate, that period of dissociation. So you kind of feel like abandoned, you feel kind of dark and dead. So I'll give you an example. This is a really extreme example, but it's a good example to help you kind of understand this state. Because I think sometimes too, and we're not really in tune with our bodies, we often don't know what state we're in. We don't understand. We don't know that we're in this shutdown or this freeze mode. So if you've ever heard stories of, again, this is an extreme example, but I really do think it it depicts you know what I'm trying to say here. Have you ever heard of stories of, and maybe it's you, maybe any of you listening have had any sort of like assault, right? And as far as trauma, you've been assaulted, you've been sexually assaulted, whatever. And, and you hear about it and they didn't do anything to fight it off. And you know they come forward and people ask them, like, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you fight it off? Why did you... Your nervous system is in shock. It literally shuts down. That's what happens. You are in the shutdown mode. You're in the freeze mode. You cannot function. And that's what happens. Like your nervous system totally panics and it fails you. It just stops working. And that's what that shutdown mode is. If you've ever had periods of life where if you've had a super traumatic event, or even if it wasn't super traumatic, but just traumatic at the time, you disassociate and you have no memory of it, right? You kind of have like foggy memories of like, oh, that time when I was 12 and this thing happened at school. I can kind of remember, but like, that's that feeling of disassociation, right? You disassociated from the experience and the memory because your nervous system shut down. It's like, we don't need to remember that because it was so traumatic, right? It was dangerous and chaotic to the body. It was traumatic to the body. So we're just not going to remember it, right? So that's that period, that branch of the nervous system that shut down that freeze state. And this is kind of when it gets like when like things like depression and like isolation, problems with memory, all of these things are symptoms of being in this state of this branch of the vagus nerve, that this part of the vagus nerve is like kind of in control. Now, the thing about being in the shutdown state is it's not obviously you can get out of that state, but it's it's harder to get out of that state than it is fight or flight because you have to move kind of back up the ladder. If you Look at polyvagal theory, they have kind of this ladder, right? This ladder of the vagus system. And at the very bottom of the ladder is this shutdown phase. So in order to get out of this shutdown phase, you have to move back up through that fight or flight stage. So so it's a matter of like getting kind of some energy, some movement back in the body to get the blood flowing back to like more blood flowing back to like your brain and your heart and stuff to be able to move back to the fight or flight state, to be able to get back to that ventral vagal state where it's that kind of like neutral, that homeostasis. So those are the parts of our vagus nerve and, and our body is going to respond differently in each state, each stage of that, right? In each part of that. So another important thing about the vagus nerve, and this is what I talked about in the masterclass, is it connects the brain to the gut. This is the nerve that connects to the, the gut to the brain. It, it's that brain-gut axis, the brain-gut connection. 
And it plays a really important role in a lot of functions in the body, like modulating inflammation, homeostasis of your digestive system, your energy production, regulation of food intake, satiety, like when you feel satiated. All of those things are modulated by the vagus nerve, that brain-gut connection. And which is why there is this connection between you know, your health and your metabolism and how your body uses food as energy and weight gain. It, there's that link right between the gut and the brain. That's why it's the vagus nerve. So it also plays a really important role of kind of the initiation of different psychiatric disorders in things like, like PTSD and things like uh, even things like obesity or, or stress-induced or inflammatory diseases, right? It's all related to the vagus nerve because of this gut-brain axis. So it's communicating information from the gut to the brain using neurotransmitters. These are things like like serotonin, like glutamate. It uses gut hormones and it all plays a role in your sleep, in your mood, in your pain, stress, hunger. All these things are controlled by the vagus nerve. So when you experience trauma, and remember, your, your vagus nerve is also controlling your trauma response. It's responsible for your trauma response. So when you experience trauma, the brain is communicating this message of danger to our gut through the vagus nerve, right? So it's going to turn on the fight or flight response, or it's going to, you know, it's going to initiate that, that initial stress response. Once you're in this sympathetic state, that fight or flight response, the body is going to send signals to your digestive system to, you know, constrict or relax. Like, okay, we don't really need you to work anymore right now. It's going to reduce stomach acid. Like, okay, let's calm down things here because I really need some more, you know, blood flow going to the brain and to the heart. It's going to slow down motility, right? It's going to change things like your hunger cues. And if you think about it this way, if you think about it, I use this example in the masterclass. If you've ever had like an event before where you felt like you didn't have an appetite, like you're, you're nervous about something, you were kind of stressed about something in events, like a speaking engagement or, you know, a big project at work you had to present or, if you've ever done like like a race, like a marathon or something, I know I was like that when I would run marathons and get like super anxious about it before the race would start. And you kind of feel like you lost your appetite. It's your nervous system sending signals to your gut, like, hey, we don't need you to work right now because we need some more blood flow to the brain to like help us out here, right? So it's really that nervous system response because again, it's that primitive part of our anatomy that's either it's giving the, putting the energy in the right places to either help you run really fast, fight really hard. You know, you're either fighting or you're fleeing, right? That's what it's doing. So, so with trauma, when you have a traumatic event, and actually, I should explain, let me stop right there for a second and talk about trauma because I think it's an important distinction here when we're talking about trauma. Trauma is, like I mentioned this before, anything that makes you feel unsafe in your body. And it doesn't have to be anything big, it can be a little event, it can be a small event. So, there's big T and there's little T trauma. Big T trauma are those. Big traumatic events that we think about, you know, you've escaped death or you were assaulted or, you know, you were a part of some violent crime or something, right? Something super traumatic like that. And there's also little T traumas. These are little events that happen throughout your life. A lot of times it happens as a child and they add up to big traumas in the body because in the body, trauma is trauma. Little T trauma, big T trauma, it all has the same effects in the body. And especially if you're a kid and you internalize things different. And things affect you differently. They affect your, your brain differently. You carry these things with you. You've probably heard this is like totally get off, getting off on a tangent, but you've probably heard of like inner child work before. When you're doing inner child work, that's what you're doing. You're going back and, and finding those little 
traumatic events that you've had as a child that you've kind of suppressed. You, your your brain is like, hey, let's push this aside and not forget them. But but they're still in there. You haven't released those. You haven't dealt with them. You haven't dealt with the emotions and released the emotions associated with those events. All of that is trauma in the body. Okay, I just wanted to make that distinction before I kept going about this trauma response. So when you're experiencing trauma. The messages, your, the, it's your brain and your gut are sending messages to each other, right? Your brain is telling your gut, like, hey, we're in a dangerous situation. And it's telling everything, all the other parts of the body to like respond accordingly. So with, with trauma, these messages continue to repeat. It's like on a loop, right? It just, that loop continues. The gut to the brain, the brain to the gut, the gut to the brain. It's telling over and over and over again, danger, danger, danger. We're not safe. Things aren't safe. And this long-term disruption and like, you know, regular flow in your vagus nerve. This is what has long lasting effects on the body and specifically to your gut microbiome, to your gut. Now, when your microbiome, that's all of the, you know, the bacteria and stuff that's in your gut, when it's unbalanced from trauma, it's going to communicate that message of chaos back to your, your brain through the vagus nerve. And again, it, it, you're in this cycle of this like, constant embodied sensation of danger. It's just this repeated message. Even when there's safety available, even if safety is there and it's abundant, it's still you're on that loop. You get stuck in the loop. And then really to make things worse, so so your you know your gut, your microbiome is responding, but also other digestive issues are, are going to happen from this because your body it's unable to absorb nutrients from food. And nutrients, of course, like you know, we need nutrients to help really strengthen our body to serve as a buffer against stress and against the effects of stress. So you're not able to absorb things like B vitamins, magnesium, and these other micronutrients that we need to be able to handle everyday stressors. And so when you're in this state, your body is it's less resilient, right? You've got your tank is, is a little empty. And so the regular stressors that might not normally affect your body, you're, you're more sensitive to those stressors. When your body is dealing with the effects of trauma, and long-term effects of trauma, your body loses that sense of resiliency. So small things can send it over the edge. And that's really why we have to put together that brain connection to be able to heal the effects of trauma. So when we're looking at the different parts of the polyvagal system, let me, I just kind of want to go through each stage and what happens to your body each state, right? So the first state I talked about was the ventral vagal state, right? This is like the ideal state. This is like we're functioning properly. We're in that social engagement center. We're feeling comfortable. We're feeling safe. It's that really that inherent sense of safety. We're feeling it. Our body feels safe. Everything is able to function properly. When you're in this state, you're healing, you're rest, you're sleep. All of those things are ideal. You're able to repair muscles and build muscles. You're able to release the right amount of hormones, the hormones that help repair things. Fertility and your elimination, your digestion, all these things are working properly. And you can actually reverse the damage caused by fight or flight when you're in this state because your body is able to heal like it's supposed to. So it's really, it's all about getting yourself back to this state so your body can do what it's supposed to do, which is heal itself. Your body is made to heal itself. I know I've said that probably a million times, but it really is made to heal itself. And so it's the goal always when we're talking about stress and trauma is to get yourself back into this vigil vagal state and get you there as quickly as possible so that we avoid that long-term damage and you get back into this like healing, repair, and restoration state that your body is naturally supposed to be in. And when you get out of this state, right? So if we're moving down that ladder, if you kind of imagine the ladder, a ladder in your head, that polyvagal ladder, you're moving down to the sympathetic state, that fight or flight state. 
this is where your body has that initial feeling of, okay, something is dangerous here. There's danger, there's chaos. I don't feel safe, right? Now, when you're in this state for a prolonged period of time, your body is going to release energy really quickly. It's going to make you feel drained. It's going to make you feel worn out. It's going to make you feel burned out, exhausted. Your muscles are going to start to break down because your body is going to release the stress hormone, which is cortisol, which is a catabolic hormone. That means it breaks things down. So it's going to break your muscles down, which means less muscle means a slower metabolism. More muscle means a better metabolism. So when that cortisol hormone is constantly being pumped out in your body because you're in this stress response, your body's going to start down breaking down muscle. It's going to slow down your metabolism. Now, the other hormone that's being put out in this fight or flight state is adrenaline. Now, in acute situations or in like short periods, adrenaline is important. Adrenaline is what gets you through, you know, when you're in a traumatic situation, that's what gets you through. You know, you've heard of people having like super strength and these crazy, like violent accidents that it's the adrenaline. The adrenaline gets you through. So in, in short spurts, it's really important, but. It's when your body's pumping that out continuously for a prolonged period of time, it's really going to magnify pain messages to the body. So it's going to cause inflammation and nerve damage. It's going to, it's going to affect the adrenaline receptors because you have too much going on in your body. And so now your body's like, wait, wait, do I use this or do I not use it? So it's, it's going to create some receptivity issues. It's going to alter your metabolism. So both of these hormones being pumped out all the time is not what's supposed to be happening with your hormones. And then the other thing that happens is, I mentioned before, the blood flow is all going to your vital organs and it's going away from your other organs, your digestion, your sex hormones, your your elimination. All of those things are now like on the back burner because they're not super important. And so you're going to feel the effects of that. You're going to start using glucose as fuel instead of body fat. So now your body's going to store body fat because it's using glucose as its main source because of that adrenaline overload. That's what happens. And so now, not only that, but your blood sugar is now going to stay elevated. Because when you're in that fight or flight state, your blood sugar is elevated because it, it's getting you ready to either fight or run away, right? So you need that you need that initial like burst of energy by elevating your blood sugar. Well, when you're in it for a long period of time, your blood sugar is going to stay there. So now it's not going back down to that like you know normal state. So now your blood sugar is elevated. It's going to cause insulin... Resistance, it's going to cause metabolism issues. This is a whole chain of events, right? So, we're looking at things like, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sleep problems, weight gain, looking at headaches, chronic joint pain. This is when anxiety starts to kick in, right? Heart disease. I think I said that one. Just digestive issues and really just an increased vulnerability to illness. You're just more susceptible to things. Again, you're that vital reserve in the body, that vital reserve of like energy and vitality is diminished. And so you're more susceptible to things. Now, when we go further down the ladder, you're going to go down to that dorsal vagal state. That's that shutdown state. Again, this is the state where it's like your body has been in that fight or flight for so long where it just gives up. It's like, I'm done. I'm just going to shut down. I can't do anything anymore. You can even... People in this state can almost feel like like flu-like symptoms because they feel like, you know, I'm tired. Their muscles, their bones are tired. They're feeling kind of foggy in the head. They feel just kind of sickly. They feel just kind of like immobile, like I just don't want to do anything, right? And so when you're in this state, it's going to cause just kind of this steady decline of, of multiple systems in the body. So we're looking at the effects of trauma. It really does affect the whole body. And it's not all doom and gloom here because there's lots of ways to 
reverse the effects of that. And there's lots of ways to really combat the effects of stress. And there's a few, a few ways I want to talk about here. So first, really, first key really is just regulating the nervous system. Like what does that look like in regulating your nervous system? It's getting your body out of the stress response. Can you bring your body out of the stress response? And that really initially is just finding whatever sense of safety that you can. So you use the idea in the polyvagal theory, they use the idea of neuroception, which is like, can you find, let's identify cues of safety and cues of danger in the situation. So in the moment with this person in this place, with these things in this situation you're in, what are the cues of safety? What are the cues of danger? Can you identify where the cues of safety are? Because that's the only clue your brain needs to know like, okay, I can bring myself out of this dysregulated state because I know there's a few cues of safety around me, right? So when you're looking at it through these lens and you can ask yourself, like, am I actually in danger? Or is there some things here that make me feel like I'm not totally in danger? I can feel safe, right? So that's the first way. The next thing to do is something called vagal toning or vagus nerve stimulation. And I know it sounds crazy, like toning your vagus, vagus nerve, like you're toning a muscle, but it really is what it is. So remember, the vagus nerve is what's running from your brain to your gut, right? And it's modulating all these different parts of the body. Now, there are ways to strengthen the vagus nerve. It's, you know, vagus nerve stimulation or toning. And there's a few different ways you can do this. So first, there's things you can do to kind of manipulate the vocal cords, which helps stimulate the vagus nerve. These are like physical things you can do. Some of these might not sound appealing to you, but just go with me here. Just try them. First is gargling. So gargling, like in the morning or in the evening, 30 seconds to a minute, gargling, again, getting that physical reverberation of your vocal cords, singing or humming does the same thing. Even if you can't carry a tune, it doesn't matter if you're singing good, but just that vibration in your vocal cords. Oming, right? If you've ever been to yoga and you've done the om in yoga, this is kind of one of the reasons behind it, but feeling that vibration. And it's actually, there's studies that have been done actually, and you can study, look at studies done by different yoga groups, but the chanting of the om actually helps deactivate certain parts of the limbic system in the brain, which is involved in the stress response. So it's literally, that's what it's for. The om in yoga is to help reverse that stress response, right? It's to help, it's to deactivate. I can think of the word there, deactivate that stress response. Laughing is another thing. Laughing, laughing out loud, LOLing is going to help tone your vagus nerve. Gagging is another one. I know this doesn't sound super sexy, but gagging is another one because it gets that vagus nerve going. Cold water treatment is another one. So you might heard of like the cold plunge or like ice baths, even just like a cold shower. All of those are great ways to stimulate the vagus nerve. If you've ever done like cryotherapy, things like that. These are all great ways. These are all good physical things you can do to tone your vagus nerve and to really help get it. It's just about building resiliency because that is we're human, right? There's no way that you're going to live your whole life not getting dysregulated. It's impossible humans. The goal is to not stay in that dysregulated state, to have the resiliency to be able to pull yourself out of that state as quickly as possible. So we're not staying there and reaping the benefits of being, I say that sarcastically, getting, you know, reaping the results of being in that dysregulated state, right? We're not getting all of those harmful things happening to the body because we're in there for so long. So it's, it's, you know, can you recognize when you're in a dysregulated state and then be able to do the things you need to do, which are some of the things I just listed or the things I'm about to say to help get you out of that state, to build that sense of resiliency. So you're not in that dysregulated state for too long. Now, some other things you can do, the more kind of like emotional 
supportive things you can do for your vagus nerve is to kind of calm that, bring in that parasympathetic nervous system. Something like journaling, any gratitude journaling, like writing things down that you're grateful for, doing this on a regular basis, just journaling and getting things out on paper, out of your head onto paper is super therapeutic and really good for your parasympathetic nervous system. Deep breathing is a great one. Deep breathing is something that I always talk with my clients about because it's such a good thing to do like in the moment and it's so simple to do. Just taking deep breaths, checking with your body or doing something like the box breath, right? So breathing in for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, like that box breath, really beneficial to calming down the nervous system. Meditating is another one. It's something else I also talk with my clients about. And it doesn't have to be anything you know, super intense or drawn out. It can be super quick and simple. Even just sitting in silence can be considered meditative. But again, it's just getting out of your head into your body and allowing your nervous system to respond to that. And then another thing you could do is just getting outside, going for a walk in nature, just going for a walk around the block, just stepping outside like barefoot in the grass, like connecting with nature, grounding yourself into the earth. All of those things are really great ways to calm your nervous system and to build a resilient nervous system. We have these, all of these tools in your back pocket now so that you have the things you need to be able to regulate yourself when you need to. You have the things you can do in the moment to get yourself out of that dysregulated state. And then the last thing I want to talk about here in terms of healing. So we talked about toning the vagus nerve, you know, regulating your nervous system. And then it's about healing your gut microbiome because I think the microbiome is probably one of the biggest victims in all of this because because of that gut-brain connection, the vagus nerve, I think it just... it has the biggest effect on your gut. And that now we're talking about healing your gut. This is kind of complex, right? We could go a lot of different directions here. And honestly, this is like a conversation for a whole separate, probably like five other separate episodes. But if we're just looking at like, you know, general healing opportunities and, and regardless of this bio-individual individuality factor, that there are a lot of commonalities that we're looking at in terms of healing the gut because there's a lot of things that are going to happen in you know, just about every case in terms of, you know, people that have the effects dealing with the effects of trauma. So first is just about reducing inflammation. Can you just calm down the stress response in the gut, right? So whether that, that's getting rid of inflammatory foods, things in the environment, things you put on your skin, things you're cleaning your house, which is getting, reducing inflammation that reducing the toxic load on your body. And then also addressing dysbiosis. So balancing out the good and bad bacteria. Guarantee you, if you're dealing with the effects of trauma, which I mean, let's be honest, we all are, there's some dysbiosis going on in the gut. There's this imbalance of good and bad bacteria. So we need to balance that out. And then it's getting rid of any pathogens or parasites that have taken residence. And I find more often than not, even if you don't have like, you know, severe symptoms, their pathogens, parasites are really good at taking residence in an inflamed environment. They're these opportunistic bacteria are just like waiting for the opportunity to build their house in your gut. That's what happens. And so getting rid of those and healing those and then also addressing any permeability. Inflammation in the gut is going to most of the time cause some intestinal permeability, some perforations there in the gut. So want to heal that, build a healthy gut lining, addressing any stomach acid issues. Again, when you're in that fight or flight state, causes a re- usually typically causes a reduction in stomach acid. And so you have super low stomach acid. You want to be able to get it back up to normal levels so that you can help keep out the bad things and help break down your food like you should. The same thing with enzymes. Your pancreas and your stomach make enzymes to break down your food. And when your digestive system isn't working great, then the enzymes aren't being produced like they should. And then it, it, it's about reseeding the gut with the good bacteria 
healing any nutritional deficiencies in terms of like micronutrients that we're missing out on, healing all of those things and retraining your body, continuing to build that resiliency. So you're able to live freely without worry that your body's going to suffer negative consequences anytime you get in a stressful situation, right? You want to be able to stop or slow down that stress response in the body. And all of those things that I just listed are, that's what's, it's the combination of all of those that's going to help your body be able to deal with the stress response. So I hope you found that helpful. I hope it, it explains kind of what the trauma response in the body is. I think this, you know, this is a really important conversation because you know, there's a stigma around trauma. And I think there's also a lot of misconceptions around trauma. It's just why I wanted to explain what trauma is because trauma isn't just the big, it's not just the big T trauma. It's not just those big events that happen in your life that bring about these effects in the body. Little things happen in your day to day throughout your life that add up to the same trauma response in the body. And I think it's important to know we're, we're all a victim of trauma, all of us, whether you've been through super intense traumatic situations or not. We're all a victim of trauma. We're all, all, our bodies are all dealing with the effects of it. It's just a matter of taking the time to uncover those pieces and taking the time to learn how to regulate yourself. So to prevent yourself from staying in that trauma response, from stopping, like putting a stop to the stress response. And then knowing the steps to take to heal the effects of being in in that trauma response and that stress response. So I hope this helps. I hope this gives you a good explanation. It gives you some kind of tangible things to go start implementing and, and kind of put into action in your own life. Let me know if you have questions on this and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcast and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.